0: Systems work, people fail. Welcome to InsureMark's Advisor Mentorship Podcast with Vice President Jeremy Hauser, where we share proven systems and processes for the 21st century advisor. Today, it's essential that advisors find a way to differentiate themselves from the competition. Learn how to elevate your game and accomplish incredible feats, as Jeremy teaches you how to build a more successful and sustainable business, while realizing a better work-life balance is not only possible, but achievable. First quarter is officially in the books for
1: 2022 and wow, did it fly. We are a couple of weeks into Q2 and do you ever feel like some days are just a grind? Welcome to this week's episode of the Advisor Mentorship podcast. I'm your host Jeremy Hauser and I have a special guest on today's show who knows a thing or two about pushing forward and dealing with adversity. You may have actually seen our guest Austin Hatch on ESPN a couple of years back with his heartfelt story. And I must say it is an honor getting to know him recently. How are we doing today, Austin? Doing great, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you taking a couple couple minutes out of your day to uh, chat with us here. So do you mind sharing with the audience a little bit about who is Austin Hatch?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be to be married to the girl of my dreams today, and um, life's good. And I'm so blessed to have had the, have the opportunity to be a Be a husband to my wife, Abby, and um, hopefully someday soon a family of our own. But, you know, fortunately growing up, I was involved in two tragic plane accidents. Um, The first of which was when I was eight years old, 2003. Claiming the life of my my mom, Julie, who was 38 at the time, my dad's high school sweetheart. My sister, Lindsay, who was 11, about to turn 12 a a week later. And my little brother Ian, who was only five, tragically and um, incomprehensible loss, right? It's really all in the only word I can describe it with incomprehensible. But, you know, my dad and I found a way to press on and keep living in the midst of that. I don't think that's ever something you really ever, you know, get past. Like it's never going to be like in the way in the background. You just kind of learn to live with it, um, which we did and find a way to honor our family that tragically passed away and have we lived it alive and kept finding a way to push forward in the midst of the loss and. Uh, eventually, my dad was remarried, a loved woman named Kimberly with three kids of her own. Uh, we had a great blend of family, restored some normalcy in my life, and my dream was always to play basketball at the University of Michigan. Um, and I was working hard on my skills, it got to be pretty good, fortunately. Had to get a lot better, but I had some success on the court, and Coach Beeline from Michigan offered me a scholarship to play for him on June 15th, 2011, which I accepted on the spot. As, as I said, it was my dream to play for Michigan, and um look forward to having a great career uh, hopefully but then you know nine days later tragically i was involved in a second plane crash that took the life of my dad and my second mom um it almost killed me as well i was in a coma for two months and um, by the grace of god nothing else i came out of the coma and had to learn how to walk and talk and basically how to live life again and, um made the decision early on that i was going to find a way to to overcome that and find a way to make it to Michigan. Coach Beeline is so gracious to honor my scholarship, which is something else I talk about, um, the way he followed through on his commitment to me. But he he came to see me in the hospital in Chicago um, in August of 2011. I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair. And he told me, he said, Austin, I can't wait to coach you, man. Can't wait to have you on my team. Whenever I'm able to come to Michigan, I can't wait to coach you. So, A lot of things had to happen to overcome those challenges I was facing. A lot of people contributed to my recovery for sure. But I think more than anything, it took some grit. It took some grit to overcome, to find a way to make it to Michigan. So, so, so blessed to have had an amazing
1: team around me that helped me overcome and get better. So, and what, what, uh, so what actually attracted and obviously also it's just, you're literally a miracle of being here, uh, and I've, I've seen a couple of videos with your sisters talking about it, and, and it's so true. I mean, literally, it is a miracle um, that we're even talking here today. Um, so, what going to Michigan? So, what what did that mean to you, or what what really drew you in high school to want to go to Michigan? And obviously, that happened before the second plane crash. But what actually drove you to want to go to to that school? Because you're out of Indiana, right? Or you, yep. you grew up in Indiana. Yep.
2: Yep, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, originally, but um, my mom went to Michigan. My dad did research at Michigan before going to medical school. Way Forrest, we had season football tickets growing up, so I grew up going to football games in the fall. You know, when I was really little, I went my first game, and I was like two or three. Um, so it's been in my family for years, and my both my grandpas went there, so it's, it's always my dream to continue the family tradition of going to Michigan. And obviously, it's a great school, uh, great great program, and. But I think that the biggest thing, that the biggest attraction is Coach Beeline. One of the greatest men of all time, as far as I'm concerned. My dad, Coach Beeline, those two guys, two of the greatest ever, as far as I'm concerned. And, um, yeah, you know, he got uh, – obviously, it's a great school academically as well, which was important. And a great program, great coach, great school. I mean, it's Michigan, right? So, yeah, I'll all play there. I'm so grateful and so humbled that – coach saw something in me that made him want to give me an opportunity to go play for him.
1: And the the power of, of him to actually say that to you and probably one of the weakest moments of your, your life that it's the the commitment, like you mentioned earlier of saying, I can't wait to coach you one day. And you said it was what, nine days before the actual crash you were already committed.
2: Yeah. So, so we, so June 15th is the first day that college coaches can call sophomores in high school. Based on like yeah. based on the NCAA compliance issues, so June fifteenth, twenty eleven, 1.45 p.m. I remember the call Thursday, day, and he offered me a scholarship. We committed to each other that day because commitment's a two way street. He commit he offers me a scholarship. I commit to him. He commits to me, and um, look forward to having a great career there. But then, and the, so last time you saw me play was at was at the the Michigan camp K- ba- the, the camp they have just for recruits. And I was, you know, I played at a pretty high level. You know, I was running and dunking and scoring and doing doing well. And and then he offered me offered me a scholarship over the phone on June 15th. The next time he saw me in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. So you know, it's uh, just the but the the integrity that he showed to follow through on his commitment, especially when there's a drastic change in circumstance. I mean, it's like, well, as I mentioned, one of the things I talk about, and from a leadership standpoint. From from an organizational cultural standpoint, right? If if we all can have that level of integrity, and everybody on the team knows that if we make a commitment to them, there's no doubt in their mind that we're going to follow through, regardless of circumstance.
1: I feel like that can only help us win. It can only help us win. So, and and you actually so when you were rehabbing, so with that integrity, with that commitment from from the coach and then you as well too, because you still you wanted to get out there and play. So can you talk to the audience a little bit about what, so what goes through your mind? I mean, I can't, I can't even put myself in your shoes. The, the mindset you had where you said you couldn't walk. So you couldn't even, you said you couldn't even talk after the second crash. Yeah. So what, so during that time in your life, like, and this is number two. So what, what pushes you tell us a little bit about what's going on in your head moving forward after that terrible, terrible tragedy.
2: Yeah, well, I think so. What I learned from playing sports my whole life: you don't really play sports. You don't really play halfway. You don't. You know, if I you don't you don't try to tie the game. You're you or you you're not trying to win. You're not trying to maybe win. Mm-hmm. the best chance. You're trying to give yourself the best chance to win. And like, and I looked at my the adversity that I faced, the the obstacles, the injury, just as another opponent. Like. My dad always said from an early age, he said, oh, it's go big or go home, man. Go big or go home. You owe it to yourself to not go halfway. Go big or go home. And it's like, I was like, okay. So to get to Michigan, I started working out before school when I was, when I was 11 years old. And mm-hmm. I, was, I had to go big to make it to Michigan, right? And it was like, to make it back to Michigan after experiencing the injuries that I, in, the, in the tragedy that I did, it's like, okay, you got to go big. But by already going big before and already knowing how to work hard and how to grind, so to speak, like just didn't do anything different. You Just kind of just had the same mentality towards a different goal. It's like so the goal before was to be the best player, the best basketball player that I could be. Who knows how good it would have been? No guarantees. No, no one knows. I'll never know. It's just fine. But the process and the workout, the, the commitment that that instilled in me working hard to be the best that I could be. It, you know, as I said, when the second plan action happened and I came out of the cone by the grace of God, okay, let's go bigger. go home again, you know? And you,
1: you mentioned the word the word grit. And I know, because you do a lot of speaking engagements and a lot of things, spreading your message. It's incredible. I couldn't even, I think you told me the number uh, I, and I think you've calculated it or you, you figured out like what the percentages are for two, tra- two, um, two tragic actual plane crashes. Um, what, so you said grit. So I know you talk a lot about that during your, your public speaking. So how do you define grit or what does grit mean to, to Austin?
2: Yeah, well, so um, like I said before, you know, to overcome the challenges I faced, a lot of things had to happen. A lot of people contributed to our recovery for sure. Couldn't have done well at everybody. Took everybody on the team. People across the country that prayed for me that I'll never meet, that I'll never even know. As far as I'm concerned, those people helped me overcome too. And so it took everybody. But my friend Angela Duckworth uh, at University of Pennsylvania, some people on the call may have heard who are listening to this may have heard of her. Um, she wrote the New York Times bestseller on on the topic of grit. And she says that grit's passion and perseverance for the long-term vision, for long-term goals. That's true. Like Coming from where I was and coming out of a hospital, coming out of a coma, Michigan was a long-term goal, very long-term, right? So Mm -hmm. grit did apply. Grit grit definitely applied to achieving the long-term goal, but I I also feel that grit applied every single day. How can we expect to achieve the long-term vision if we're not winning every single day, one day at a time? So grit to me is defined a little more specifically than just working hard for the long-term goal. So it's four letters. There's four key components to grit, I believe. But first and foremost, grit's driven by a greater purpose. I believe we need to work for someone bigger, bigger than ourselves, whether that's your faith, your family, your friends, your colleagues, teammates, the organization. Hopefully all of us are someone internally driven to be the best that we can be every day, but I think having a greater purpose is very important because that greater purpose, I believe, will drive us to find a way to thrive in the midst of challenges, especially when, when it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to think we're all internally driven to be the best we can be, and I'd like to think that I had some internal drive to overcome and persevere but that can only take you so far. So I think that but if I remember the how I re- if I feel the how I respond to the challenges I face with like I got on my family in heaven every single day. How 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 am I not going to give everything I had to my recovery if I feel that I'm honored like an honor my family every single day. So and now my purpose is, is also my wife, right? And you know I've been married to you know, the girl in my dream for 4 years and so it's still my family, it's my faith still obviously but it's also my wife. Someday it'll be our kids. So that was the purpose that drove me to recover. Um, as that was, was, was my family in heaven. And now my, my purpose now to work hard, build this business, inspire people, impact lives is my wife. And someday it'll be our, it, it'll be our kids. So when you have a greater purpose that will drive grit at all times, but especially in the face of adversity. So the G, the first letter, stands for the growth mindset. The growth mindset believes that every setback, every failure, every adversity is really an opportunity. We don't, we don't grow from the challenges we face, but we, we can always grow from how we choose to respond. I'm reminded of how at Michigan, Coach, Coach beyond would always, always talk about the growth mindset. It was actually one of our big core values in Michigan. And we didn't lose that many games over my four years, but whenever we would lose, unfortunately, you know, Coach would come in the locker room and he'd always say, we're going to watch the film of the game and we're going to find a way to get better from it. We're going to watch the film and find a way to get better from it. We don't grow from losing but you grow from choosing to find learning opportunities in the, in, the, in the challenge or in the adversity. So I think in life, too, we all face challenges, right? Obviously, COVID's terrible. I hope uh, the impact it's had and the lives it's taken, you know, it's been terrible, but I think there are lessons we can learn from it because I don't think learning how to win in a, in a different way will ever be a bad thing. So when you have that growth mindset, it'll drive us to make the decision to be resilient. That's the R. The R is the decision to be resilient. Mr. Webster, you know, the dictionary, defines resilience as you know something like bouncing back to how you were before after experiencing some sort of adversity or challenge or something like that i don't know that i don't think resilience is bouncing back to how you were before though it's not i completely disagree with that i think resilience is taking the massive action in the face of adversity that will enable us to find a different way to win not lower our standards for ourselves still achieve the same goals but just in a different way like I wanted to get to Michigan, and I was going there to play basketball and hope to help the team win. That was the plan before. The second plane crash happened, you know, nine days later, as I said, almost killed me. I was going to make it to Michigan one way or another. And when I got to Michigan, though, I couldn't, I couldn't really play. But it's taken massive action to find a different way to win, to find a different way to achieve our goals. So the eye and grit is integrity. Of course, we all know that integrity – it's about doing the right thing and no one's looking. Being honest, going about our business the right way. Of course, that's true. Of course, that's true. But in addition, I believe integrity is about following through in our commitments, especially when our circumstances change. Coach B. I offered me a scholarship, and I was playing at a pretty high level, June 15, 2011. Um, the second plane crash happened nine days later. Almost killed me. And when I got, I mean, I wasn't wasn't in any shape to play. I was, I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. And he told me that he can't wait to have me on his team someday. He can't wait to coach me. I couldn't walk. so so I've got a lot of friends in the NBA now that went to Michigan, really good players. And he told a kid that couldn't walk, he can't wait to coach him. So his follow-through and his commitment didn't waver, even though the circumstances drastically changed. I think about that from an organizational, cultural, collaborative perspective, right? If we can all do that, if we can all have our follow-through and our commitments be a no-brainer regardless of circumstance, I feel like that can only help us win. That can only help us win. Doing that consistently over a long period of time. Everybody on the team following through and everything we say we're going to do all the time. So a lot of people do it. I would argue every person makes a commitment every day of some kind. But if following through on that commitment, especially if there's a change in circumstance, is uncommon. I believe following through on our commitments when there's a change in circumstance is doing a common thing in an uncommon way. It's doing a common thing in an uncommon way. And the result of doing the common things in an uncommon way consistently, I believe, we're going to leave people in places better than we found them. What more can we ask of anybody than to consistently leave people in places better than we found them? So my dad was one of the greatest men of all time. One of the greatest of all time. He, um, just, just incredible. Everything that's good about humanity was my dad. And he, um, told me everything I know. He was a doctor, true to pain management in Fort Wayne, had a good little clinic, really busy guy. would see 50 or 60 patients every day. Usually skip lunch. would work you working know, at seven 30 to five 30 straight through just grinding every single day. Mm-hmm. Go to McDonald's on the way to school, two days a week, Wednesdays and Fridays, when my dad would drive carpool. And the cashier who was always there at McDonald's was a guy named Josiah. And Josiah was always there. My dad would always take an extra couple seconds instead of stealing the food and driving away. He would take an extra two or three seconds to tell Josiah he appreciated him, that made him feel valued, that he was important because he was right. And that little extra effort my dad would give twice a week for a couple seconds. Connection he made with Josiah, I learned from a family friend last summer that Josiah from McDonald's on Dupont Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Josiah was at my parents' funeral after my dad and second mom passed away after the second plane crash. So, again, I haven't seen Josiah in 11 years since the last time we were at McDonald's. But I think the reason Josiah wanted to celebrate over my dad's life after he was already gone is because my dad left Josiah a little better than he found him by doing a common thing in an uncommon way. Very common to go, to go to McDonald's, get your coffee, get your breakfast sandwich. Very common. But it's uncommon to take time to invest in the servers, the people, right? The, no, the people don't really think matter. It's not common to make those, to take extra effort and make those people feel appreciated and valued. So if we can all do that again, all take that extra two or three seconds twice a week, metaphorically speaking, to invest in people and let them know they're appreciated and valued. So last letter is T. Keith, to me is the team first mentality. I think we should always think about the team first. We should train ourselves to think we before me. Jeremy, I don't know if you actually knew mm-hmm. this before today. Um, I'm actually in the record books at Michigan. I'm the all-time lowest-scoring full scholarship athlete in program history. Nobody will ever be on Scott. Nobody will ever go on a full ride four years and score less than one point. It will. It won't happen. It won't happen. But My role on the team was to be a great teammate. Shag balls in practice, unload lugs on road trips, work hard every day to be the best that I could be, and think about the team first, and do whatever I could, whatever the team needed that, that day. With helping with drills, encouraging my teammates, bringing energy, shag it right, it didn't matter. So if you have that team first mentality, remember that everybody on the team matters, and that every, every role matters. Our role is important. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. So I think if we have some grit in the face of adversity, if we're driven by a greater purpose, have the growth mindset, look for the opportunity in adversity. If we're driven, if we're to make the decision to be resilient, we take massive action in the face of adversity, which will enable us to win in a different way, achieve our goals in a different way. If we have integrity, we always follow through on our commitments, especially when our circumstances we do the common thing in a common way consistently. Uh, lastly, if we have the team versus mentality, always think about the team first. Remember, every person on the team matters. Everybody has a role. hmm if we have some grit, uh, I don't want to say I'm going to guarantee you we're, we're going to achieve every goal we ever set for our team, but I feel like we're going to have a pretty good chance.
1: So, and do do you think grit is actually taught, or do you think we're just born with it?
2: I think it's learned. I think I think we're a product of our environment. I think maybe maybe there's some people that are more innately team teammates, or maybe some people are more innately positive, more innately resilient. Um, right, but but it's like mm-hmm. I think we're a pro- we're a product of what we see, and we're a product of who we surround ourselves with. And I think from a team standpoint, true, we can all lead by example. Doesn't matter the title, doesn't matter the rank in the organization, whether you're at the top or or more junior. Doesn't matter. We can all lead by example, and I feel like if if pe- people will notice too, it doesn't matter who you are. Like people will notice by setting setting an example of being resilient, of being positive, of bringing energy. Of being a great teammate, people are going to notice. So,
1: and be, being a product of of who we are around us, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I mean, of, of all people I know, it takes who knows how many people, like you mentioned earlier, around you to get you through that tough time. So, so can you elaborate a little bit more on what do you mean by those around us? Um, do you feel like others, if being around those that you want to do business with or being around those that possibly just make you a better person, you think that drives people to want to be better? Or what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think um, I think we can all be those people too, right? That, that, that make people want to be better. Because I think it starts with us. We can't always expect other people to set the examples for us. I think we got to take it upon ourselves, to set the example for others. And a lot of the time, to 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 be to to change the per, the behavior of people in an organization, or like change the behavior of your group of friends or your colleagues or whatever, it starts with one person. And so, I mean, we can all just decide to be to be that person. You know, we we've, we've all heard the, the the saying: "Be be the change you want to see," or or be the. Be the example you would be, be, or set the example you wish you had, or something like that, right? That's true, though. I mean, if if we can't always expect other people to act first, sometimes we got to be the one to put our foot forward first, and you know, take the first step and lead the team by example. So,
1: and and to those that are maybe maybe someone who's listening today, so maybe they're going through a tough time in their to their life. What what's some advice that you would give them to help them? through maybe the tough times that they're going through today.
2: Yeah. I think, as I said, I think, remember that, that greater purpose or find something. If you have, if you've never thought about that, never thought about that purpose behind why you do what you do, like, think about whatever it is, whether it's your, your family, your, your, your colleagues, your, your faith, whatever. I think find that purpose. Cause I really, I mean, I really believe that will drive us to do what it takes Like right. Like, there's sometimes stuff that I, sometimes stuff that I don't want to do. And yeah, tasks and business or what or whatever. My wife is counting on me. She's counting on me to 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 go all in on, on in this in this business to go big, right? Like I said, go big or go home. My wife's counting on me to go big. someday our kids will be counting on their dad to go big. And it's like, yeah, it may be inconvenient. I don't mean it may not want to stay after hours or give this extra. Hour to this project or whatever, but it's like, hey, my team's counting on me, my wife's counting on me, my family's counting on me um, to be the best that I can be. So I think, yeah, just the purpose is is very important. And I also think that I think we, I want to encourage everybody listening, really set a standard for yourself. Because I think if we have a, if we really set a standard for ourselves, I think we'll do whatever we can to live up to that standard, regardless of circumstance. Whatever your standard is, right? Like, whether it's mm-hmm. achievement related or process related or accountability related or commitment or integrity or whatever it is, if you have a standard, I think we'll do whatever we can to live up to that standard regardless of circumstance.
1: So that's good stuff. And so, so today, what are we doing? It's 2022. So, what's What's Austin up to now? I know you've spoken at, you mentioned to me last time, you spoke at a, a large, large gathering. So what? what's on the itinerary for 2022 for you and, and what you're currently doing?
2: Yeah, so we're, we're just trying to build this business, the speaking business, as big as I can, big as we can. Um, like, like my dad said, go big or go home. Yeah. So, you know, I've been very blessed to speak to a lot of great companies and financial services, the likes of Northwestern Mutual, Pacific Life, Prudential, John Hancock, Edward Jones, a lot, a lot of great organizations. So very grateful for that and going to try to keep spreading my message, keep building the business, impact people, one person at a time. And yeah, just grateful for any and all opportunities. So yeah, I got a, um, yeah, it's going to be, going to be going to be a pretty good month of April i um, always trying to push more to do more, um, sure. but yeah, you know, it's got uh, to, got to kind of bloom where we're planted too. Got to bloom where we're planted wherever we, whatever, whatever stage of life we're in. I think we got to just kind of go big in, in, in this, in this, in this moment, in, the, in this stage. Um, and then the future, the future goals, I think, will kind of, I don't want to say fall into place, but I feel like if we control the control of us today and do whatever we can, do what we can to prepare ourselves to achieve the goals we have down the road, I feel like we have a pretty good chance if we have a pretty good chance of achieving those goals if we control the things that we control. So,
1: I'm definitely taking that from you. By the way, bloom where you're planted. Yeah, <laughs> I like, yeah, I like that one. Right,
2: right, right. Because it's, it's like, true like, though. Like, like, like everybody on the call is planted in, in a different in a different stage of life, whether it's career wise, family wise, whatever it is. Like you don't like. I'm not a gardener. I don't plant flowers, but it's like you don't. You don't like sometimes. I, I don't know. I feel like the soil may not always be the best. You hope it, I hope it will be like the environment you find yourself in. You obviously hope for favorable conditions, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're not going to be. Sometimes you're going to be put in a tough situation. Okay. You can still make the most of it. You can still find a way to bloom, even though you're planted in a place that's less than ideal. If you know what I mean? So,
1: No, no, I appreciate yeah. that. And Art, uh, in, you mentioned, so, I th- you rattled it off actually. So a lot of the advisors uh, or a lot of the people that listen to this are actual financial professionals, um, advisors, insurance advisors. Um, and so you mentioned a lot of companies that some of them have actually heard of. So what what got your interest or how, how did you even get started speaking in the financial industry? or um, obviously, you speak in numerous industries, but uh, is there any specific what, what got you into the financial one?
2: Yeah, well, I um, yeah, you know, start of a, start with one or a couple, and, you know, maybe uh, I can't, so I spoke to Northwestern Mutual in Michigan, uh, July thirtieth, two thousand twenty, and I've since spoken to eighteen other offices. It's there, there's seventy eight total Northwestern Mutual offices, so, so I still have sixty more to hit. But yeah, it's like you know, it's kind of like one becomes two, two to four, and um, yeah, so it's been you know it's been great, and I think about my my message um, yeah, about the because for advisors, right, or for salespeople, there's always adversity. There's always rejection. People always say no. It's but it's, it's how you bounce back from. We've all heard that, and mm-hmm. I really think that the way we live our lives every day, I think we need to prepare ourselves for the big one, for the big one. Yeah, not not live our lives in fear that maybe the big one's going to come tomorrow or next week, but live our lives in a way that prepares us for it. As I said before, with it, with the adversity that I faced after both accidents, but especially the second one, I was trying to go bigger, go home in basketball and in school and in life and then began to have some success. I got, you know, got an opportunity to go play for Michigan. And then the second play crash happened nine days later. The mentality didn't change, just the goal, the, the goal did. The goal, I mean, I was just trying to make the greatest recovery that I could possibly make. So I think if we just establish that mentality to just go big or go home and pre- prepare ourselves for the big one, I think that's a good one to have. And, you know, so from from a financial services standpoint, I, I'm not in financial services, but I feel like financial services, financial organizations exist to help prepare clients and families for the big one. Whether that's saving saving for college, saving for a house, saving for your you know a car or whatever it is, you're preparing for the big one, right? You're preparing to be able to live life on your terms and having the freedom to live the way you want to live. And then also from an insurance standpoint, we don't get insurance because you know what? I know, yeah, actually, I, for a fact, I know that on you know June 27, 2027. I'm going to have a really devastating loss and yeah, it's going to impact my family. You don't know, you don't know that, right? Mm -hmm. You, you, you get insurance to prepare for it so that if, and when it comes, obviously nobody, I hope and pray nobody on the call ever experiences anything, any kind of loss or tragedy, but it's, I've kind of learned it's better to have something Need it than it is to need it and not have it. Yeah, yeah, like I have an accident I'm, Yeah, man, I wish I would have got that insurance, you know, five years ago or, or whatever. When I had that conversation with my advisor, yeah, I was close to buying insurance, but I didn't at the time. Like what happened to me? Yeah, maybe the 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 specifics, the plane crashes, the two two plane crashes, that may be unrelatable to people. Fortunately, most people can't relate to that, which I'm which I'm, i thank God for. But everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna experience. Everybody's going to experience a big challenge, a big trial at some point. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a no brainer to, to get that insurance or, or, or prepare financially for it, right? Like, why wouldn't you prepare? It's mm-hmm. kind of like my wife, we're, we're getting ready to go on a little trip and uh, leave tomorrow morning. And she's, you know, I feel like she's got, she's got enough clothes for a month. <laughs> I, 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 I pack, I pack in a little carry on. I'm good for a while, but I mean, she's got, she's practically moving to where we're going. But she's but she's prepared for whatever could come her way right mm-hmm. and like, like from a life standpoint from a from a finance standpoint from a business standpoint insurance why wouldn't we do what we can to prepare and to mitigate the risk as best we can? you know what i mean
1: oh, I, I agree, and I'm sure uh several advisors listening to this right now are definitely agree it's it's a it's a greater message that a lot of people. Unfortunately, for whatever it's worth, a lot of people are very anti things that happen to really help with wealth distribution and, and safety and, and guarantees. So no, that's, that's interesting. I'm just curious with regards to speaking with financial services, what the uh, opportunities are and how that's been for you. So I know we're wrapping up here. Um, is there anything that we missed or anything you'd like to mention to the audience here as we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, just just
2: thank you to, to, to all the financial professionals listening to this. Uh, you know, yeah. If there's anything, anything that I can ever do to, to share my story and message with your team, your organization, I'd be honored and grateful for any and all opportunities. So um, Jeremy has my info and he feel free to pass it on to anybody you want to. And yeah, if there's anything else that I can do to add value to your team, your
1: business in any way, Jeremy, don't hesitate to reach out. I definitely will. And if you don't mind, share with the audience again, what's the, uh, what's the website for yours? For your company? My
2: website's www.austin-hatch.com, all lowercase
1: austin-hatch.com. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you, Austin. And thank you to the listener for checking out this week's episode of the Advisor Mentorship Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening device so you do not miss any future episodes. And remember,
0: in a world full of betas, be an alpha. Thank you for listening to the InsureMark Advisor Mentorship Podcast with Vice President Jeremy Hauser. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Jeremy on LinkedIn to stay up to date. If you would like to request our introduction kit, feel free to check out www.advisormentorship.com and click on Learn More. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Thank you for listening to the InsureMark, the advisor mentorship podcast with InsureMark Vice President Jeremy Hauser.